Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. So last week we started out with a sermon series called Why God? Why God? And how many of you have asked the question why before? Hopefully everyone in this room. If you don't ask, ask why, you're going to have a, a tough life. We need to know why do we do things. But have you ever asked the question, why God to God? Or why God to Him? Lord, why are you doing this? Lord, why did you, why didn't you protect you? Why you do, Lord, you could have done this, but you didn't. Lord, why, why, why? Lord, you were not fearing this. Why not, Father? You see, it's questions we never speak about, but some of us, we think that. Lord, why didn't you protect me here? Why didn't you show me this? Lord, why, why, why? Now, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up because I know there will be hands up this morning in secret. Because I've asked God a lot of times, why, Lord? Why did you do this? Why didn't, why didn't you protect me, Father? Why didn't you warn me? Now, this morning, we are going to continue with chapter 2. Now, the, the sermon series, um, is, we're going to look at the book of Habakkuk or Habakkuk, or how, may, how, how you want to pr um, pronounce it. And Habakkuk's got three chapters, and we're going to look at three chapters in three weeks. Chapter 1, week 1, chapter 2, week 2, chapter 3, week 3. And, and this week we are in chapter 2. Now, if you've missed last week, don't worry. I'm going to give you a quick recap on, uh, on what did I speak about last week, just to catch you up. And for those of you who are here who forgot a bit, and uh, want to just want a refreshing. So here we go. Habakkuk is one of the 12 minor prophets of the Bible. 12 minor prophets. They were small prophets, and, and, and somewhere at the end of the Old Testament, you find all the minor prophets. And uh, who, all of them were prophets who governed over the nation of Israel or Judah in that time period. Now, this book was written about 600 years before Christ. 600 years before Christ. That's a long time, eh? And if you look at Habakkuk's name, it means two things. It means to embrace or to wrestle. To embrace or to wrestle. Remember that? Now God told the prophet Habakkuk the following. He says, tell your people I'm going to have to destroy them. Sorry. Why? Because they are wicked and evil. The nation of Judah and Israel became wicked and really evil. It went through a time period where these people were really evil. They went sinful as you can get. And God says, listen, Habakkuk, you the prophet. And that's what a prophet did in that time. He went to God God spoke to him regarding the nation. He went back to the nation and said, okay, this is what God says. Because God governed the people. Before the people actually said, we want a king, and then that era started. Now Habakkuk knew the truth. He knew the truth. He knew that the people were sinful, they were evil, they did all these things. It actually bothered him so much that he went to God and said, Lord, why is this people so evil? It, it goes against the values that I have as a man of God. And when God said this to him, he said, well, I'm, well I saw this coming. <laughs> I saw this coming. And then next line, God said to him, well, then what I'm going to do, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take the Babylonian people, and I'm going to use them to destroy your people. And Habakkuk went, like, wait, wait, what? I said, what? No, Lord, you can't do that. No, 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 no. Now, if you, if you know why he reacted that way, it's because the Babylonians were much more evil, much more evil than the, Jew, the people of Judah, who became evil a little bit. So God said, listen, Habakkuk, I'm going to use these really evil people 
to destroy you lesser evil people. <laughs> and Habakkuk said, Lord, I object. Objection. And it's almost like a court of law. They actually, if you go through the scriptures and, and through the history, this book of, he, um, of, of, um, of Habakkuk was, was written judicic, um, what's the right word? Jud um, lawfully or judicial. What's the right word? And it was, was written like, almost like a judge speaking to the, uh, the, the guy saying objection. Uh, it's almost like that. And that's why, uh, like Habakkuk said, object, I object. Lord, you don't seem fair in this. I mean, how can you do that? We hate the Babylonians. Now you use the evil people to come and destroy us who's, who's been evil just for a little while. I object. You see, Habakkuk said, God, you know that I will worship you. You know that. You know that I will honor you with everything that I have. Um, but, but I'm going to take you to court because I have evidence to prove that you are not fair. I'm just, I'm just re refraining. He said, God, what, are you, what you're doing don't seem fair. Have you ever asked God that? Lord, what you're doing don't seem fair. How can you release a pandemic in this world, the people dying? It doesn't seem fair, Lord. Where are you? Why don't you save us? Why don't you change things? Lord, you took my family member away, and we prayed and we fasted, and everybody prayed, and, and, and she was gone, or he was gone. It doesn't seem fair, Father. Ever ask that questions to God? You see, today, if you are facing something, and you say, Lord, I don't understand this. God, you could do something. You can, but you didn't. Now, if that's you, then I'm certain that the book of Habakkuk will speak to you. It will speak to you. Now the question that we are going to wrestle with today, you remember Habakkuk's name, is to wrestle. He wrestled with God, and then he came to a place where he did the Habakkuk. He embraced God. You remember that? So I want you to do the Habakkuk today, and we're going to speak about that today, to embrace him. Now the, the question we're going to wrestle with today is, what do you do when you're in the dip? When you're in the dip. I'm not talking about chip dip. I'm talking about a dip, and I'm going to explain it to you quickly. If you've not been here last week, let me, let me explain to you the, the picture that I painted. I can actually show it to you this week, um, the dip. So I wanted to, to show you with my red cursor, but the cursor doesn't work on a TV. Huh, bummer. But I'm going to show you exactly what I'm speaking about. And we're looking at a Christian. Maybe you, we're looking at a person. And way here in the corner where the graph starts is that person. That's where we start. Now, some along the way in their life, they meet Jesus. And that's amazing. Their life starts to started transforming. And they started climbing this graph. Wow, I'm growing in God. I'm coming to church every time I'm in church. Wow, the sermon is exactly for me. That's amazing. And every time I'm in church, somebody prophesies. They pick me out from everywhere and they prophesy. I mean, God is so amazing. Every time I pray, things happen. It's just, I pray and immediately God do things. It's so amazing. I get in my car, God plays my favorite song. I mean, it's just amazing. When I get to the traffic light, it's, it's green. I mean, God is so amazing. I'm growing and growing, and you get to that tip of the iceberg. I mean, you are amazing. And suddenly, life happens. Life happens. And everything is not going so smooth. You pray, and now suddenly, things doesn't happen immediately. You get to church, and, oh goodness, the sermon is not for me. 
100%. It's cool, but it's... I get to the, the traffic light and it's red, and everyone is red. My song is not playing. Lord, where are you? I'm praying for people, and they pass away. Lord, I'm trusting you to make it financially, and I'm still struggling. And suddenly, you get to a point where there's a crisis in your belief, and you start going down and down. And suddenly, you find yourself in your spiritual life in a dip. In a dip. And you feel, Lord, how did I get here? And you start asking questions. Why, Lord? Why? Why, 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 why? And it's exactly where Habakkuk was. He was in going down in a dip and asking, Lord, I've got a crisis in my belief and my values. What I'm trusting you, I'm not seeing things happening as, as you promised, as your character depicts. See, when a, when a person enters this crisis of belief, this way down in you, and all of us go through this. It's not just the, the more, less spiritual. And, no, no, all of us go through this. Now, when you're in that crisis of belief and you're in the dip, why at the bottom? You go to, through one of two responses. Number one, the person wants to go back to the place where they were at the spiritual high. Where they want to go back. And what they do is they want to deny everything that's happening. I'm just, nothing is happening. I just want to go back to where it was good, Father. When the traffic light was green when I got there. When I get to church and everybody's just good words and I pray and everything happens and it's so amazing. And it's supposed to be like that, but not always. And they go back to that. They just want to go back. I want to go back to the point where everything was okay. Then number two is people just go back to way back to where I started. And I'm just going to say, Lord, man, God, you fake. And everything that people say you're good is not true. So I'll just go back to the place where I was and just forget about it. To one of two responses. But last week, we've learned when you embrace God, and there's a third way, when you embrace Him, there's a turn. And when you embrace Him in this place, um, the person in the midst of that crisis, when you continue to embrace God, or even struggle sometimes through that process, a turn comes. A turn comes. And you start growing again, and there's a higher high than, than you could ever think or imagine in your spiritual life. It's almost like James says. James says, dear brothers and sisters, James 1 verse 2 to 4, dear brothers and sisters, when trouble of any kind comes your way, how many of you have faced trouble in your life? Yes, of all kinds. We're still doing facing trouble even this week. He says, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Huh? Great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, our faith is tested every week, your endurance has a chance to grow. So look again, when you are down, you're in the dip, now suddenly you push through and you embrace God in this moment. Lord, I know you've got a plan. I'm struggling through this, but I'm going to embrace you. I'm going to wrestle through this thing, and through faith I'm going to go up, and, and my faith might be tested, and my endurance have a chance to grow. So let it grow, James says. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Beautiful scripture. Beautiful scripture. See, the believers who will continue to embrace God, even though those things don't get any better at first, it maybe get tougher. That person can grow much closer to God when they were in the past. 
In fact, if you look at all those people close to you, who's the closest to God, I mean, we've got all those friends. Man, they're so close to God. They hear His voice. They, they're super Christians, you know. <laughs> I always say, you don't get super or non-super Christians. They just, you can see, they've got an intimate, close relationship with God. All of those people, they haven't got there by free, free ride. All of them have gone through tough, difficult times. They've gone through that dip and they engaged, they wrestled and they embraced God and suddenly they grew out of it and they grew closer to God than ever before. So, what do we do when we are in the dip? That's our question for today. What do we do when we are in this dip, in this crisis of belief in your life? Lord, I don't know what I believe of you anymore because I've been disappointed, I've been this, I've been that. You're in the dip. See, God has, has, has God disappointed you lately? Or maybe you thought to say, Lord, I wanted to stay healthy, but I didn't. What now? Or maybe, Lord, I've trusted you to make it financially, but look, I'm still struggling. Lord, I trusted you for that, that, that person to, to get to know you and how they passed away. And now what, Father? Why? Why? Now today I want to look at three specific things that we're going to find in Habakkuk 2 that can help us. What do we do when we are in the dip? Are you ready for that? If you're making notes. I'm going, to lose, I'm going to look at three specific things in the f- first three verses of Habakkuk 2. Are we in the threes today? Now Habakkuk came and he says, God, okay, you've, you've heard me. I've heard your plan. Man, I don't like this. I don't think the people's going to like it when I tell them that you're going to destroy them. So now I'm waiting for your response. So look what Habakkuk do. In Habakkuk 2, Verse 1 to 3. I'm just going to read all three scriptures and then we're going to go into it. It says, And I will climb up to my watchtower and stand at the guard post. There I will wait and see what the Lord says and how He will answer. Answer my complaint. Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will, not, and will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming... Wait patiently for it. Wait patiently for it surely will take place. It will not be delayed. Beautiful scripture. So what do we do when we are on the dip? What do we do? What do you do when you are struggling and you know, Lord, you could have done something, but you didn't. Lord, what do I do? See, when you come to God and you say, Lord, it just doesn't seem fair and life doesn't make sense. And you're wondering, God, God, where are you? What are you doing, Father? Why aren't you helping me? So we can do three things, and we learn this from Habakkuk's example. Number one is we stop and listen. We stop and we listen. Now, Habakkuk teaches us a very important principle right here, and it's very simple. You've probably heard this before, but he teaches us a very simple principle, very basic. After he made it clear that he wasn't happy with God's decision. Look what he did. Look what he did. I will climb up to my watchtower and then I will stand at my guard post. There I will wait to see what the Lord, say it with me, says. I would say, I will see what the Lord says and how he will answer me. You see, too often we just complain about what's going on. This and that, Lord, didn't you see this? This was ridiculous. 
this Lord, Lord, where are you when I need you? Oh my goodness. And we complain and we complain and then we come, we become grumpy and we just live our life. You see, so many of us never stop and listen. We never stop and listen and say, God, okay, here I am. What do you want to say, Father? I'm ready. You see, here is a beautiful thing about God. Here's the beautiful thing. God is a relational God. He's a relational God. And you know what? He loves to speak to us. He loves to speak to you. See, God is a God who speaks, and we just need to be intentional to sometimes stop, press pause, and listen. Just listen to Him. He wants to speak. He speaks louder than we are listening. And when you stop and you listen, you realize, oh my goodness, God is speaking to me. Maybe you've been asking, but Lord, how? How do you speak? How, how do, I don't even know how you speak, Father. Now, the three most things, the, 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 three, um, th- the three ways God speaks through the most is the following. Through the Word of God to your Bible. By reading your word and God speak to you. You've got a question, you open that Bible and you read and God starts speaking to you. Number two is through circumstances in your life. Things happening and God speaking to you through that. And then number three, which is probably the most, um, is to other people in your life. People come and they just have a conversation, they encourage you, sometimes they prophesy over you, and God speaks you through that way. Now Paul is incredible. Paul came and he said, he spoke to God and he said, Lord, I've got a thorn in my flesh. You remember that scripture? Somewhere in Romans. And he said, I've got this thorn in my flesh. Can you please take this thorn out? Lord, please take this thorn out. He begged God three times in scriptures. Lord, can you take this thorn out of my side? Just take this thing that's bogging me. Please, Lord, please. And God said, no. <laughs> he just said, no. You see, Paul spoke about this thorn and he said, but Lord, why is your answer no? Now God says, my answer to you is no. And why did God say that? Because God said, when I am doing, when I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something even better in your life. And if I'm just taking this away, you won't see the better. And you may not understand it now, but I'm going to teach you that my grace is all that you need in this moment. You may not understand the thing that you're going through. Lord, why, why, why? Please speak to me, Father. And you won't understand. God sometimes will come and say, no. But Lord, I didn't want it to, I didn't want to know. I wanted to, yes. I want you to say this to me. And God says, no, because I want you to experience my grace. I want you to get more for my grace than you need. See, when you don't understand and when you are in that dip, We stop to listen, and God still speaks. And it's natural to sometimes go through that emotional dip in your life and through that emotional thing in your life where you feel, Lord, but I needed you and you wouldn't dare, Lord. But he was. Just think about how Paul felt. Father, I've done all these things for you and you still don't want to take this thing away from me. And God says, but I wanted you to have something better. And you're only going to learn that through my grace in your life. Then number two, look what Habakkuk did. He writes. God says, write. Write. So Habakkuk said, God, where are you? What are you doing? What is going on? And God says, you know, you want to know? 
Take notes. Take notes. Look here. He says, Then the Lord said to him, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. So why did God want him to write down? What do you think? I want you to write down, Habakkuk. Take notes. See, God wanted Habakkuk to write it down because years later, when God has proved himself just and true, he wanted it in writing so that everyone could see Everyone could see that God is a God of His Word. He's a God of His Word. And it also implies to us, not just Habakkuk, it implies to us today. Can I speak to the men quickly? <laughs> men, how many of you that your wife sent you to the grocery store to get that two items? Just the two. You just run to, just get that two items, very important. Don't, and you run to, man, you come home with 10 items, man. I had all this DIY, I saw all these needs we had in house, and you got everything except the, the one of the two. And then, then there's usually some friction right there at that moment. You see, it's important to write things down, but also write things down when God speaks to us. I'm, I'm too much honest to you. I'm not a good journaler. I, I mean, I know I need to journal more, and I need to write down, but I've, something that I've learned through the ages, when God speaks to me in that moment, I write it down. Why? Because when God says something, we want to record it because our spiritual enemy is an expert at stealing the seed of truth that God plants in your heart. Write it down. I remember when I was a runner, um, I was like, I was, my final years at studies, I wanted to run professionally. I, things were, were looking, maybe it might go good or not good. I, I wasn't sure. I, was, I wasn't in the mix yet. I wasn't great yet. But it was okay. I was, I was a, um, a hurdler in my, in my days. And, and I remember I was walking home and, I, and this weird guy, he was staying a couple of houses from, from our house. And he came, uh, when I was run, walking to my home, and he came um, up the road, and I thought, oh, I don't want to speak to him, and, uh, and he saw me say, hey, Henny, come here, and he started prophesying over me, he, he knew the Lord, and he said, within a within, um, short, uh, short time from now, things will go so good with your running that sponsors will call you to sponsor you, and uh, I thought, oh, okay, thank you, thank you, I thought, what a weirdo. Man, this is weird. Well, how is that? And I walked home. I remembered it so well today. It's like, how do you? I mean, it's not even possible. You can, you can ask people who ran. Ask John Marie and people who actually did athletics. Sponsors don't call you. <laughs> they don't really. You call them or you've got an agent to call them. I mean, what bunch of nonsense. I just, just, I just tweet off, you know. It's like, whatever. And then within 18 months, it happened. I had one race on TV, very good. Next morning, I was sitting in my living room having breakfast. My phone calls like, this is a weird number. And he calls like, hey, Henny, this is Mzee de Liwe. I remember Mzee very quite, quite well. He said, this is Mzee from Nike. Um, can you come through and see me tomorrow? I thought, what? I said, is this a joke? I, re I promise you. I said, is this a joke? He laughed at me. He said, no, no, this is Mzee. I work with Nike, I'm the athletic director, I need to see you tomorrow, I saw your race on TV, uh, we want to sponsor you, please come through tomorrow. Went through, got a three, four year sponsorship with Nike, um, got, I mean, it's, it was amazing. 
And, and afterwards, I was basking in my sunshine and the success. Woo-hoo. And I remember I asked God, and I was like, man, Lord, this is amazing. How did this happen? And the Lord says, well, I warned you. I said, what do you mean? And I remembered. Oh, the weird dude at the street. Oh. And the Lord said, Henny, if you've written that down, and if you prayed about it, if you called it in, if you trusted me, it might have happened earlier. I was like, oh, Lord, I missed it. See, God spoke to me and said, Henny, when you write things down, defining moments in your life, when you remember it, you can meditate on it. You can go back and remind yourself on the good things that I've promised you. And I had a point that day. I said, Lord, I will never miss that moment. I'm still missing sometimes. I'm missing moments. God, speak to me. I'm in the car. I was like, oh, Lord, that is amazing. Ten minutes later, I was like, oh, Lord, what did you say? I forgot about it. So what do we do when we are in the dip? What do we do? You hit that crisis of belief. God, where are you? I don't understand. Number one, you stop and you listen. God, what are you saying? What are you saying for me today? Then when he shows you anything, anything, you document it. You write it down. You make a voice note or something, or you write it down, and you make sure that you remember what God is saying to you for what is coming. And number three, which is the easiest, it is to wait. See, it's awkward, eh? It's awkward when we have to wait and nothing happens. Like, Lord, today? You promised it yesterday. Lord, it's today already. How about now? Yeah. See, do, do, to, today we live in a world that is so focused on instant service, instant gratification, instant return. Remember? I remember so well when the 60-second McDonald's came out, when I, the days when I was younger and I still ate McDonald's. I came to London. 60-second McDonald's. That's amazing. So when you're in the line, you get, don't get your order in 60 seconds. You get everything for free. So we as students like, man, I'm going to make a massive order. Let's see how many people we can get together. We rush in and we tell the order. And it's like, man, they are impressive. 60 seconds. And uh, why? Because we want instant gratification. We live in a world that said, I say now, I want it now. Now is the, the better thing than later. But yet, watch what God said to Habakkuk. Habakkuk 2 verse 3. The vision is for a future time. It describes the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems too slow in coming, too slow in coming, wait patiently for it, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. It will not be delayed. Isn't that amazing? You see, when our God promises something, we sometimes have to wait a while. <laughs> we have to wait a while. But you can, take it from, you can take it to the bank. God will deliver. Why? Because that's His character. That's His character. And some of us right now, we are in the waiting zone. And some of us have been waited, waiting for a while. And you've been waiting. Now, Lord, I've, had, I've tasted some of the, the sweetness of your promise. And then suddenly it stopped. And you have a bigger promise. And now I'm waiting. And I'm waiting. Hey, Lord, I'm waiting. And you wait. 
And you wait and you wait and you wait and you're in the waiting zone and you, you believe God has shown you something. You've listened, you've recorded it, and now you're waiting. And you are afraid that, Lord, what if nothing happens? What if nothing happens? If I had a promise from God, a prophetic word, you come into that dead-end street. I remember when we um, were in transition as a couple and, and ministry, we were in ministry for 20 years, and suddenly, dead-end street. And God says something. Whoop. And one thing He said to us was, wait. I was like, okay, Lord, I'll wait. I'll wait a week. Oh, it was a month. After eight months, no salary. I was like, okay, Lord, I've been waiting. But I want, to, 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 I want you to remember this thing, this one thing, if you remember something today. The one thing is, God's delays are not God's fails. When God delays, doesn't mean He's failing. doesn't mean He's denying it. See, when God has promised something, it will come to pass. It will. That's his, when God said something, it is truth. So when we look through Scripture, we see example after example after example of people who received a promise from God and they waited. Remember Moses? God says, Moses, I want you to go and free my people, rebuild my nation. But hey, you have to wait 40 years. <laughs> he waited 40 years. Joseph, God said to him, man, you are a great leader. You are an amazing leader. So vision after vision. And then what happened? His brothers, they beat him up. They threw him in a well to die, and they said, oh, wait, wait, let's sell him to slave traders. They sell him. He spent two years in prison. And years later, he, after he waited, years and years and years, he received the promise. Paul the Apostle, I don't think a lot of us know this. Paul the Apostle met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He had this vision. His life transformed. All he wanted to do is to preach the gospel to people who don't know Jesus. Thirteen years. Thirteen years before Paul preached, started to preach the gospel. Of being discipled, following Barnabas, honoring him. And suddenly somewhere the thing shifted. Now, a lot of people think, okay, Henny, <laughs> I'm waiting. I've been waiting for a while. But I'm stuck right here, man. I'm over this waiting thing. And most people think, well, if I'm waiting, there's no movement, Henny. I hate waiting. How many of you like waiting? <laughs> I don't like waiting. And mo most people think, well, I'm waiting. I'm just doing nothing. I'm just sitting here and waiting. But can I give you a secret? Just a, a principle of truth. Just one of those powerful truths. What does a waiter do if you go to a restaurant? They serve others. Am I right? So when you're waiting, here's what you do. You serve the Lord. You serve people around you. You serve your family. You serve the situation. I remember when we were waiting and waiting, we said, okay, Lord, we need to do something. We can't do nothing. We started coaching. We started doing piano lessons. We, do, we just said, there's something in my hand, and what I have in my hand, I need to use and trust you. See, when you're waiting, sometimes there's more movement when you're waiting than when you're in the promise. 
I remember when I was a sports psychologist for Varsity Cup, one of the top Varsity Cup teams, I was a sports psychologist for Curry Cup, Varsity Cup, um, and Sevens for about eight years while I was in ministry. And I traveled with the team, and, and I remember 2007 when Varsity Cup started, um, uh, well, before, two, the Varsity Cup series for rugby started 28, 2008. And I remember in 2008, we had a scrum off. He was always second-tier scrummy, the second one. He never started a game. He was always on a bench. And I remember in the whole Varsity Cup, he benched every game. I think he had five minutes in a whole season. Five minutes. But you know what he did? I, always, I went to him after the season. I thought, man, you are amazing. He served every player in that team. He went, took water up. He served the players. He made sure that their, that their drinks were ready. He helped me as sports like I was the, always the supplement guy as well. Helped me with the supplements. He was everywhere. He, he packed the jerseys out before on game day. And he was on the team. You know who shouted the, the, the loudest? Him. He shouted, he encouraged, he helped the guys. He, I mean, he was in the mix. He was early for practice. He was the last guy who left. He played five minutes whole season, but he served. 2009 came. He started every game. He was the player of the tournament. He received more accolades that year than any other player of that team in, in 10 years. Why? Because he waited. He waited patiently. He waited on God's moment for him. And he never, he didn't sit still. He served and served and served. You see, our attitude in a waiting time matures our character when we step into that promise. Look at Habakkuk 3 in the Living Bible. Just in the Living Bible. Almost done. It says, These things I plan, God says, uh, won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. A single day. You see, to wait on God is probably one of the most challenging things, the most testing things you can do as a believer. <laughs> it is. But when we embrace Him, when we do the Habakkuk, when we embrace God, when we sometimes maybe wrestle through the time with Him. His benefits are far more superior than any blessing that the world can ever give you. Just do the Habakkuk. Embrace His plan, His journey. That thing God is doing. It doesn't make sense. It, uh, Lord, what are you doing when you could do something? Why not? Just embrace Him that He's doing something in your life that doesn't make sense now, but it will. And now when you do these three, th three things, so something amazing starts happening. You stop and you listen. You write down. You make sure you document this. Then you wait on God. Then when you do these three things, something amazing happens. Look at verse 4. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by his faith. Probably one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. So when we do the Habakkuk, we embrace God's plan and in timing, and, and then when you embrace God, what happened? Your faith starts growing. Your faith starts growing. When you feel that, Lord, I can't take this anymore. I can't take, I don't want to wait anymore. This, it just keeps on getting worse. You know, in that moment when you embrace Him, your faith starts growing. You go to the faith gym, man. 
do some faith bicep curls. I had, a, I had a connect group material that I did with my rugby guys, faith like biceps. <laughs> it's like when you do a bicep curl and you do, I mean, I didn't go to the gym and do some bicep curls and think, man, my bicep isn't bigger. It's ridiculous. I'm not going to do that anymore. <laughs> How many of you go for a run and just as quick as you can, it's like, you almost want to die. It's like, man, this running doesn't work. I'm not getting fit. I mean, it's ridiculous. You see, faith is like biceps. The more you, 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 you train your biceps, every time you just go back and you wait on God and you wait, it, something happens. I've been trying it. I'm still waiting. <laughs> so if you look at Hebrews 1, and I'm almost done, it look at all these heroes of faith. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Hebrews 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you look at this whole faith chapter, it looks at all the heroes of faith. But you know what? All of them that's mentioned have gone through testing and waiting. All of them. And that's where our faith matures. In the waiting. In the trusting God. In embracing Him. You see, Scripture says, you remember this? We walk by faith and not by sight. It, 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 we don't walk by what we see. Oh, I didn't see it. I'm not, I don't have faith anymore. No, no, we walk by faith, not by what we see. And when you walk by faith, you start seeing the things that God has promised you. Now, what happens when you're living by faith, when you're waiting on God, and a lifetime goes by, and you never see the promise of God? That's a good question. Maybe a question for another sermon. Now, I've got three words that I want to end with that maybe will answer this question. Three words, and if there's, there's, there's the only thing you hear today in this sermon, I want you to remember this three words. And it can be maybe two words, but, but in this context, it's three words. Habakkuk finishes chapter with this. Habakkuk says, Lord, if you want to destroy us by using the, our enemies, great. Lord, if you don't seem fair, that's also okay. But you could do something, but you don't. But I will say the following. This is what Habakkuk says. He says, but... The Lord is in His holy temple. Let all those be silent and be forced. Three words. But the Lord. Some, some people use two. But God. But the Lord is still good. But the Lord, He still loves me. He still cares about me. No matter what you might be going through, but the Lord is busy with a miracle. No matter if you're going through a tough situation in your life, but the Lord will make a way where there is no way. No matter if you're facing death or despair or financial issues, whatever, but the Lord is always there to bring life or light in every dark situation in your life. But the Lord. I believe in every situation, no matter how bad it looks in your life right now, how much disappointment you're facing, how much frustration you have at the moment, God will deliver us because His plan will not, not delay. His plan will always come through in every way. You see, in every time I get to a question that I can't answer, I say, but the Lord is in control. But the Lord knows the plan. I will embrace it. I will do the Habakkuk and I will embrace Him in everything I do in my life. If you're facing and you're in a, in a spiritual dip in a crisis of belief, what do you do? You embrace, embrace it. You embrace that plan. And he says, but the Lord is in this. 
When you feel in the most frustrating place in your life, where you feel, Lord, I don't know what's going to happen, what this, this, I'm praying for my children, and nothing has happened, but the Lord, His plan will not, will not go up into the clouds. It will happen. It will happen. Amen? Can we stand together? And I want to pray for us. And we're going to trust God today that if you are maybe in that place of frustration, you're in that waiting zone and you feel, Lord, I can't wait anymore. I'm frustrated. This is stupid. Where are you? Lord, Lord, where? Why, why, why? It's okay to be like that. It's okay. But today I want to pray for you that God touches your heart. And that you know that He's got a plan for your life. And when you embrace Him in that moment, although you're in a dip or not, when you embrace Him, you will see greater levels and moments and deepness with your relationship with God. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel that, wow, my friend needed to be here. He needed to hear this. Why don't you just pray for them this morning while I'm praying? Just put your hand on your heart and say, Father, I want to include that person in this prayer. I want to include my friend in this prayer. That you will strengthen their hearts to wait on you. So, Father, we pray this morning as a congregation, as a church together, and we thank you this morning, Father, that you are in control. You are in control, Father. And although we are in places where we don't feel in control, we don't feel that you're doing anything, although you could do something, Father, Lord, we just want to embrace you this morning. Although we, want to, we, we, we sometimes wrestle with you through these moments in our lives, but we embrace you, Father. We embrace the moment we have with you. And Father, I pray that you pick up our emotions this morning and that you help us to journey through these moments of, of discouragement. And we know that you are with us, Father, through every, with every step of the way, you are there. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.